0: As Hugh mentioned, uh, he gave me a few weeks' preparation, a uh, weeks' time to prepare an event. And during that time frame, I, I've uh, changed my topic about half a dozen times. But it's in a, the preparation process that I like the most. My, I, I told my wife that uh, I, I truly like sermon preparation because, thank you, I truly like sermon preparation because it's, it's somewhat of a purifying process. And right then and there, I said, there's my topic. And so what I I would like to do today is I would like to take you all through the process that I go through um, when preparing my sermon, and uh, my hope is that we examine ourselves uh, uh, so that we get to a point where we can be utilized by God in our everyday lives, Um, because that's exactly what happens to me as I prepare a sermon. There's a scripture that I would like to start off with, uh, is in the book of Luke. So I noticed that we bring Bibles to work to to church, not work. If you do, great for you. Uh, we bring Bibles to church, but they often sit on our on our on our chairs, on our pews. So if you could pull out your Bibles, we will go through about seven to ten scriptures. Uh, the first would be Luke 6:45. Uh, we'll delve into some of the other Gospels, and even into the Old Testament um, today. The first scripture, um, Luke 6.45, um, I'm reading out of the uh, NIV version. Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks, for the heart is full of." I can imagine that in reading this scripture, we chose one side that we represent. Even though the scripture talks about two persons, an evil person and a good person, I can almost speak for all of us that we chose one of those two. Even though deep down inside we feel that we straddle on both, we still will lean towards one more than the other, am I right? Uh, In the book of Matthew it it says that, uh, in in the 16th chapter it says that uh, all the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. What I want us to do is to examine the contents of our hearts for the purpose of all the many varieties of evils that we may feel that we have in them for the purpose of supplanting those with new pure ideas and contents so that we can be utilized by God. If you can pray with me for one second before we continue. My prayer is that as we explore the scripture and as we Go over what's uh, laid out before us, that we not only receive, that we not only be in a place for receiving what's been placed before us, but that we willingly examine the contents of our hearts, and not just the good things that we love to focus on, but those varieties of evils that will prevent us from having a clear, cleaner, pure heart for God to use for his glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There was a farmer who had a tree growing in his yard. And the tree had some fungi growing on it, and therefore uh, it, uh, it damaged, it was damaging the areas surrounding it. So the farmer set out to get rid of that tree. And being the frugal guy that the farmer was, he didn't want to call professional service. So he went to Outback and grabbed the an axe. And his wife was watching from the front window as he walked towards the tree with the fungi on it. And he grabbed the axe. And he hacked away at the tree with the fungi on it. When he finished, he thought that, yeah. <laughs> When he was finished, uh, he, the, the, the wife must have turned the TV off on the background because she heard the rambling noise in the back. But when he finished, he looked and he noticed that the tree was gone. So he walked back, put the, the ax away, and he felt great about himself because he resolved, he saved some money, but he got rid of the tree with the fun guy. The thing about it is a few weeks later it passed, a few weeks passed, and the tree, be, the remnants of the tree began to grow again. He noticed it, so he went out to the back, grabbed the axe. His wife saw him from out the front window, and he went back and started hacking away at the tree. Hack, hack, hack. Again, he retreated back to uh, the back of the house, put the axe away, and felt great about himself because he thought he resolved the issue. Well, believe it or not, a few weeks later, he saw the tree growing again. And so, just like before, he went out, grabbed the axe, his wife watched him from a distance out of the front window as he went back towards the tree and he hacked away at it. Hack, 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 hack. Finally, his wife got fed up. She dropped dropped on her knees and called on a higher power. She called a tree removal service. Uh, The professional uh, eventually came out and, uh, within a half hour, removed, uh, dug up the area where the tree was planted and uprooted and and dug out the, the roots that was there. And it wasn't until that he uprooted the foundation of that tree that, within a few weeks later, it did not resurface. What happened here is that the farmer thought his work was complete. He did his job to remove that which was on the surface, but what he forgot is that it's what, what's beneath the surface is what eventually seeps through the surface. If the roots aren't good, the fruit won't be good either. Eventually, the bad will seep through. Coincidentally, the same thing happens when it comes to purifying our hearts. We can take a stab at uproot, at uh, removing what lies lies at the surface or covering it up, but eventually, eventually, if we don't uproot the foundation, that which appears will come to the surface. We all are sinners, and we all have behaviors that are meant for good, but on the surface, and and on the surface, it may seem well-attentioned, but deep down inside, they... that that lies at the bottom of these behaviors are faulty roots. What I want us to do is go through an exercise. I want to help us reflect on the contents of our hearts and guide us uh, through how to uproot any evil in, in as many varieties that we may have. But the whole purpose is to supplant those with something cleaner, purer, so that we can be utilized by God. Before we go through this exercise, there's two things I want to get out of the way. One is obvious, second um, may not be. so. First, I don't want us to seek modified behavior. Um, If you ever experimented with or have been accused of modifying your behavior, then you may have witness a glimpse of the contents of your heart. Uh, That is, you have the motivation to clean up an area in your life, but over time, that area is not really cleaned. It resurfaces back to, um, um, to the surface. Despite our attempts to hack away at that area in our lives, the core issues still remain the roots are still ingrained in our heart. Uh, Matthew 6, 21 says, "Wherever your treasure is, that uh, there the desires of your heart will also be. What we treasure holds. What we treasure is, and what we hold most value to, um, lies there in our heart. Uh, There's many varieties of it, uh, to name a few, acknowledgement, acceptance, power, success, control, lust, anonymity, these are our treasures that we, con- that we have in our hearts that conquer our behavior. And, and a- as we explore our hearts, we won't immediately gravitate towards these things. We will have interview type of responses. And what I mean by that is, we will have a response that appears great, but if we dig deep down inside, we will notice that there is a a, a, uh, a reason why we we do the things that we do, and most likely that is the residue of something that's, that's evil or, or that is uh, not godly. There's a saying that you cannot not communicate. Again, you cannot not communicate, uh, which, which means that if you, we hold on to certain beliefs, uh, we hold on to certain stories, we play back certain, certain stories in our minds and in our hearts and we live out those stories in our behaviors and in our words. And even if you don't behave and you don't state a word, you're still communicating. You cannot not communicate. But the challenging part about modified behaviors is that when we're challenged, they tend to dissipate. They're very temporary. We, behavior modifications is the makeup we choose to mask an area we want to change but the route that we choose to resolve those behaviors are not strong enough. The second thing I want to get out of the way before we go through our exercise is a term called cognitive dissonance. It's a psychology term, cognitive dissonance, which simply states that we cannot hold two contradicting beliefs in our minds. Instantaneously, our sensors will go off when there's two contradicting beliefs that's happening in our mind. There's uh, two things that affects these two beliefs. Me. It's a contradictory, contradicting belief. I thought the water was mine, but uh, someone told me it's not. Instantaneously, I thought it was a confusion. So again, in cognitive dissonance, there's two things. It, uh, it's, it's a mental discomfort that you feel uh, when you have two or more contradictory beliefs, ideals, or values occurring at the same time in your mind. And there's two factors that affect the strength of the, 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 the dissonance, and that's the number of incongruent beliefs and the importance you attach to each of those beliefs. And there's typically three responses that, that occur when you, have, uh, when you encounter cognitive dissonance. Uh, You will either decrease the importance of the contradicting belief, uh, you will add more value to your biased beliefs, or you will alter your opinion. As we explore these exercises, uh, there will be two types of people here and those that are listening to this. The first type of person is the person that don't want to change. Uh, They want to hold on to their current beliefs And they will either do one of the three things. They will either do two of the three things. They will either reduce the importance of the the conflicting beliefs or they will add more biased beliefs that are more congruent with their way of thinking. But I, I hope, I truly hope that there will be a greater number of people who will do the third. They will change what's causing the 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 mental discomfort as we explore through this exercise and they will no longer be inconsistent with what they encounter in their heart. Before we begin, uh, as we enter this exercise, I want you to understand that there are ways of the world that are in direct conflict with what we call Gali. And I want us to search why. Uh, there's a high probability that you seek to become more godly um, and be a more godly example, but in doing so, you will come in, co- in direct conflict with some of the worldly beliefs that we tend to hold. And so, as we explore the issues of our heart, uh, we would do so in three different ways. We want, I want to go through a series of questions, um, offer a suggestion And lastly, um, challenge, give you an example of what happens when you do challenge, or when you are challenged, all right? So here are some poignant questions that I want you to consider answering. Um, And truly take your time and really think about the question that's being asked when it comes to the contents of your heart. If the two to three closest people to you were interviewed, and were asked for areas of your life to pray about, what would be the overlapping areas? If two to three of the closest people in your life were to be interviewed or asked to question, what areas of your life should, they pr- should we pray about? What overlapping areas would there be? Secondly, what issues in your life or themes that are, that are constant. That are constantly reoccurring in your life. And no matter who you're in relationship with or where you, you are, you can't seem to separate yourself from it. What issues or themes in your life that are constantly resurfacing time and time again. And no matter where you go, who you're with, or where you find yourself, you can't find yourself separating from those reoccurring things. Third question. What do you spend a great deal of your time thinking about? What do you spend a great deal of your time thinking about? What do you pray to God mostly about? What do you pray about more than anything else. It is in an answer to these questions that you will find what you truly value in your heart. Second suggestion on exploring your heart's desires uh, is to establish an accountability partner uh, or a deep relationship with somebody that knows who you are I always say that marriage is a purifying relationship because it is in marriage that if you try to alter any of your behaviors or have a true change, your spouse will be able to call you out on modified behavior or if it's true change. They know who you are. Um, There's a saying that you can fool some of the people some of the time, other people other times, but you cannot fool everyone all, of the time, as you explore the contents of your heart and you try to find the underlying uh, variety of different evils there, if you try to cover it up with the makeup of behavior modification, your spouse can call you out. But marriage is the ultimate pruning relationship to where, when they they will where it, where your issues will constantly arise, and you will be have to face the facts of what the contents of your heart truly. Maybe Here's the third way to observe what's in your heart. Have you ever noticed in a conversation where something may be addressed and you constantly rebuttal, you, you offer a rebuttal, or you constantly protect the idea that's being challenged? Well, I want you to keep this in mind the next time you're in an argument with a spouse or you're seeking to discipline your children, or you, uh,
1: you're in a friendly
0: uh, banter with a friend. If you instantaneously lash out, or attempt to cover up, or to attempt to argue for a certain topic, there's something underlying in that topic that you hold dearly to, that you place a value on. So as you share and interact with others, the more you find yourself being challenged, Take a, a second to step back and ask yourself, why do you find that challenging? Under, in, uh, underlining in that topic is something that you hold dear to in your heart. It is in ridding ourselves from these worldly iniquities that we draw ourselves closer to the ultimate refiner, which is our God. In preparing a sermon as I uh, try to um, prepare I'm, I'm, I'm in constant conflict with my personal ideas, my personal uh, beliefs and those things that I hold value to and it is as I explore the Word of God that I'm refined, I'm, I'm challenged, I have to think about those ideas, those beliefs and those values. And in First uh, John 3.3 3, we uh, find what what is a part of the ultimate goal uh, which is refinery of our hearts. It says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. All those that have hope in him purify themselves, purify yourselves, just as God is pure. So as you cross-examine your heart as a believer, so that it may purify and you may be utilized by God. Uh, I want you to think about the purifying process of gold. Before gold enters its final stage, it, it has some value, uh, but it's not as valuable as the end process. Uh, in, the, in the end process, gold is refined with an intense heat, and it's through the heat that the gold is made, uh, is ridden of all of, it, all of its impurities. So let me ask you, which state of gold would you prefer? Before it enters the refinery process that has some value? Or after when all the impurities are gone? And if I can take a stab at answering that, I think most of us will go with the latter. Because it is in the latter stage of the refinery process that the goal holds the most value. Similarly, we have value too. And despite our challenge, despite our strong desire to hold on to our beliefs and what we value, and despite all the benefits that it may give to us or bring to us, it is not as valuable as when we go through the purification process of growing closer to God. So why would any of us want to keep our current state? rather than constantly being purified. On John 15, I want to go to that scripture as I round up my topics. John chapter 15 talks about what happens as we stay close to our, refine, our, our refiner. So John 15, the first few verses, it it talks about uh, us being an extension to God and how we will bear fruit as long as we remain attached to him. Um, But as we deviate from his presence, uh, you will um, wither away and be pruned or be pruned uh, to bear further fruit. So if you're there, John 15, first few chapters, first few, few scriptures, I am the true vine, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you, can do, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. In this, we have an option. We can either stay close to our source and be refined or stray. And as the verse says in uh, 6, what happens when we stray? We wither away. We resort back to our worldly values. And they return back into our hearts. But like gold, we have to stay actively uh, close to our refiner. And it would be quite absurd for us to want to remain in a state far away from him. To wrap up, I have uh, a prayer that encompasses a desire to become more refined. And I want us to think about the the underlying um, values that we hold in our, in our hearts now. I want us to think about those questions that we asked ourselves earlier, that digs deeper uh, into the contents of our hearts. I want us to think about how we tend to react when we are confronted or challenged, uh, and, our, and our values are challenged. And lastly, I want you to think about how absurd it would be to not want to be, to not want to undergo the refining process as we pray. Lord, create in me a pure heart so that, so that I may show fruit and then share it on an ongoing basis. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Finally, Lord, teach me your ways so that I may unite in truth in you. And as we move forward, Lord, I just ask that you can help us to consider our actions, our behaviors, and try to examine what's the source that's driving these behaviors, And that we can, in our communication and in our behavior, resemble that of one with a more pure, cleaner, refined heart. And that our fruit be examples of that very manifestation of our heart. In your name, Lord God, we pray. Amen.